Hear the word of God from Luke chapter 24, verses 44 through 53. This reading comes from the New Revised Standard Version. You can find this reading on page 861 in the Pew Bible. Luke 24, verse 44 through 53. Then he said to them, These are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures, and he said to them, Thus it is written that the Messiah is to suffer and to rise from the dead on the third day, and that repentance and forgiveness of our of sins is to be proclaimed in his name to all nations, beginning from Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things, and see, I am sending upon you what my father promised. So stay here in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. Then he led them out as far as Bethany, and lifting up his hands, he blessed them. While he was blessing them, he withdrew from them and was carried up into heaven. And they worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy. And they were continually in the temple, blessing God. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Well, like you, no doubt, I've had some of them myself. Those big moments in our lives, like going away to college, that was huge. Marrying Clark, gigantic shift in my life. The birth of children, momentous. The death of my parents, excruciatingly painful, yet grace-filled. These are some of, few of them, and we all have them. But some of those really big moments, we could call big faith moments, when we are forced to face what comes and step out in faith. One of the biggest moments for me, of my biggest faith moments, was when I was exploring a call to ministry. I wasn't sure where that would lead me. I was scared and uncertain. But I had to take a step of faith. Those big faith moments can be full of awesome possibility, but they can also be frightening and heartbreaking. But all of us face them. And when we do, we're called to face the unknown. We question what the future will hold and whether we are enough, if we will have enough of what it takes to meet the task at hand. Yet the invitation from God remains the same every time. It is the invitation to trust, which is quite often the hardest part. Friends, today we are starting a new sermon series, a three-week series called Big Moments in the Life of the Church. As we move from the season of Eastertide, Easter, the 50 days to Pentecost when we receive the gift of the Spirit, and Ordinary Time, that long season of the church year when Christians are encouraged our hearts, be acceptable to you, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Before we get too far into the sermon, I want to take just a moment of personal privilege to share another big moment. As this week, on Tuesday evening, I was stunned to realize that the date of May the 8th represents 30 years since I've been in ordained ministry. I can hardly believe it. (laughs) 
I know that Eastertide is the season of white still, and I'm wearing green because right here it says it, May the 8th, <laughs> right here, so I could remember. But this stole represents part of my journey of those 30 years. In fact, sometime I'll do a sermon on this stole because you always ask, what are those bells? Those bells were landmines in Cambodia that had been turned, it's called the shells to bells. And this beauty was the dress that my mother wore on their first date. And there's all kinds of memory in here and meaning of this stole, but it has the date of my ordination on the inside. So it is a big moment for me. And I want to go on record to say that this 30-year period has been full of possibility and challenge. It has endured heartbreak and much love as I have been able to meet people I never expected to meet, serve with them, and come to love them like so many of you. And I am so grateful for my journey here at Hyde Park. Yes, this week I've been able to remember a lot about these last 30 years and remember why I went into the ministry in the first place because it was a tug of war between me and God for a number of years. I mean, most people take three years to get through seminary. It took me close to six because I kept coming and going and wondering and doing mission work and coming back. But the power of memory has been awesome and it has allowed me to remember why I went into ministry in the first place, which was to help bridge the gap, to help make the distance smaller between us, to recognize that every one of us, no matter what our upbringing, our experience, all of us stand in need of God's grace. And I want you to know it's been affirmed this week by being with you. So memory plays an important role in our lives, but it also plays a very important role in our life of faith. The ability to recall the way that God has cared for us over time, it moves us and it keeps us going when we are weak and fearful. It encourages us to hold on when we would just as soon let go of belief. Think about it when you've had to face some difficult times. What helped you get through it? It was sometimes remembering how God was with you that last time, and God's not going to let you go this time. Every time we remember the sacraments of Holy Communion or baptism, we remember our life with God through the years. We remember our story as the people of faith. In that great prayer of thanksgiving that we say in the baptismal liturgy, it, it, it affirms the ways that God has been with us when nothing existed but chaos you swept across the dark waters and brought forth light. In the days of Noah, you saved those on the ark through water. And after the flood, you set in the clouds a rainbow. When you saw your people in Egypt as slaves, you led them to freedom through the sea. And the children you brought through the Jordan to the land which you promised. And finally, in the fullness of time. You sent Jesus, nurtured in the water of a womb. Yes, these remind us of God's mercies over time. And it's important to remember the blessings of God because God has never forgotten us. It doesn't matter if we turn our backs on God or walk away from God and have been unfaithful. God is always faithful 
to receive us back into close relationship with love and forgiveness. It's important to remember. So let's look a little more closely at this text. In the Gospel of Luke, on the evening of his ascension to heaven, Jesus reminds the disciples what has already been laid out in the scriptures. Have you ever read a bit of scripture and like, it's not very important or it doesn't mean anything to you, but the next time you read it, it's like, wow, I get it. Aha. That's what's happening here. I love to say about the disciples, you know, they just didn't get it a lot of the time. And that's why we refer to them as the disciples, right? But here, Jesus opens their minds to the scripture and they get it. They understand that all that has been said by the prophets has come true in him. They are remembering what he said, that he would suffer and rise from the dead on the third day. And before he is taken up into heaven, what does he do? But he blesses them. That's the last thing he does. He blesses them. That's the concluding verses of Luke's gospel do not end in tears or a final embrace or a definitive goodbye. No, it ends in blessing. And then Luke tells us that after all of this happens, the disciples return to Jerusalem and are continuously in the temple praising God. Imagine that this was the disciples' last wondrous glimpse of their friend, their teacher, their Lord. And they saw his raised hands and they heard his words, his voice, as he withdrew from them. Christ was in the act of blessing as he left. That's their last memory of their Lord. I love that. It's something to hold on to. And despite their absence, the disciples did not forget. They remembered. They remembered what he had done for them. And in their remembering, that would be the basis for the sustainability of this new thing God is doing, namely the creation of the church, this church that was yet to come. The way Luke ends his gospel makes us think that this blessing would never stop, that just because he could no longer, that we could no longer see Christ did not mean that Christ was no longer blessing them, no longer offering the benediction with his hands raised and words of healing in his voice. And the disciples were overwhelmed with joy because they remembered. They remembered what he had said. They remembered what he had taught. They remembered how he offered food to the hungry and sight to the blind. They remembered how he broke down barriers and raised people up to new life. They remembered how he opened the scriptures to them so they would understand. And they remembered that he told them that you are to be my witnesses. They are to bear witness to the reality of God's love in the world, a love that never ends, a love that was made known in Jesus Christ. So remembering gives us the courage to trust, trust that they had enough of what was needed to share the story and to bear witness. Friends, I think that is part of our task as followers today, to not let the memories fade away, 
but to keep telling the story and trusting that we have the sufficient words that will come out of our mouths when they need to. Sufficient words to encourage one another. Maybe that encouragement comes simply from holding someone's hand or writing a note, but you'll have what it takes when you need it. If you draw on the Spirit's guidance, draw on God. Believing that we can bear witness as we offer support and share good news. So not forgetting what God has done with and for us is an important thing. So not forgetting so that those memories don't fade away. Sharing them with one another to keep the story alive. But it also seems there's something else going on. Here in Luke's gospel, the ascension seems to be the linchpin between earth and heaven. Between the life of Jesus and the mission of the church. The ascension is a reminder that Jesus had to go away so that the promised gift, the gift of spiritual sustenance, the gift of the Spirit could come so that the Christ followers could take off and could go spread the good news to all the nations beginning in Jerusalem. With God in the world, in human form, then all eyes would remain there. And not look out into the world. But Jesus' ascension makes space for the disciples to turn their gaze on the world. And look who is right in front of them. Who stands in need of tending and care. They are the ones right there in front of them. Who need to hear this word of repentance and forgiveness of sins. That needs to be proclaimed in the name of the Messiah. Yes, Pentecost The birthday of the church is about to come. It's days away. But in order for there to be space for the Spirit to inspire and enliven the disciples and their witness, the Word, the Son of God, must leave. So now it's the disciples' turn to bear witness. I've heard it said that it's easier to be a disciple than it is to bear witness. To be a disciple, we've got Jesus right here in our midst. We follow him around. We're amazed at all he does. We take in his teachings. When we are a witness, he's not there in our presence, but we are to remember and to embody the way he lived, and we are to lead, not follow. It's more challenging to be a witness. Can I get an amen? So the disciples, it's their turn to bear witness, to go forward into the unknown with faith, trusting that they will be given what they need at the time. One pastor put it this way, and I like thinking of it like this. Martin Luther said that when we say we affirm that Jesus has ascended to heaven and sits on the right hand of God the Father Almighty, what we are really saying is that the right hand of God is everywhere. Jesus left one place so he could be everywhere in heaven and on earth. And our goal is simply to meet him where he promised to be, everywhere. 
He promised to be with us always, Emmanuel, God with us. He promised to be with those who suffer and those who seek to turn their lives around. He promised to be in our neighborhoods and schools, in our cemeteries and hospitals, in our lost causes, and even right here with us now. We bear witness by reaching out and helping those in need. We bear witness by raising our voice for those whose voices have been made silent. We bear witness by speaking truth to power, even when, maybe especially when, it's challenging and difficult. We bear witness as we support one another, offering forgiveness to one another, and living as forgiven people. We witness when we encourage one another and when we practice the good news of the gospel, and we can do it anywhere because God is everywhere. So in closing, I want to share a story about that everywhereness of God's love, the everywhereness of Christ that was so encouraging and hope-filled for me. It was 1981. I know it was just the other day, but it was that summer, and I was headed to be a youth in mission in Zaire, Africa, which is where I learned the happiness yell. Mm -hmm. They would do that all throughout worship. If you like a point the preacher was making, they would let loose that call. It would keep you awake. So here I was headed to Zaire, Africa. Now it's the Democratic Republic of Congo. I was a Christian ed major and I was going to work in a public health clinic. I didn't know anything what I was going to be doing. And when I got there, well, when I got ready to leave, everything was great until I had to leave my parents. Oh my gosh, it was so sad. I was so scared all of a sudden, but I... Well, they say, say, put on my big girl pants, and I got on that airplane, and I flew to Atlanta, and then to Brussels, Belgium, and then to Lagos, Nigeria, and then to Kinshasa. And when I arrived, the missionaries that met me to tell me that the next plane I was supposed to be on to take me another 800 miles from home was late. And it would be a few days. It would be five days until the flight would come. And so they said, we are going to take you home with us to the Methodist Presbyterian Hostel. I just think God has such a great sense of humor. <laughs> um, so I went to the Methodist Presbyterian Hostel, and that first night, sitting in this cold dormitory room, all of a sudden I realized, wow, I'm pretty far from home. <laughs> and I'm like by myself, and I don't know these people. And I began to doubt, and I was so uncertain of what I was doing there. I was scared, and I was wondering if I would have what I needed to offer Christ's love to the folks I would meet. And I wondered if I could see Christ in the people I would be working with. And who am I kidding? I sat there right then and said, what the heck am I doing in Africa? It is a long way from home. And I felt like one of the fearful disciples in the upper room as I was crouched there on the cot in my dorm room, and I knew I needed some encouragement, some assurance that I wasn't alone. So I opened up my Bible, the good news for modern man. It was 1981. I opened my Bible, and out fell a letter to me from my mother. 
happy Mother's Day, Mom. Thanks. The note said, Sally girl, that's what she often called me, Sally girl, we are so proud of you, and we know you're going to meet God's people in Zaire and do amazing things this summer. I could hardly finish reading the note because my eyes were so filled with tears, but I recognized that God had so answered my prayer. Here I was feeling lonely and uncertain and fearful and vulnerable, and my mother sent me a note of blessing from around the globe. Through her offering, I realized that Jesus was not hanging out on the road to Emmaus. He was not on the beach serving fish. He was not up in heaven. Jesus was right there in that dorm room with me in Kinshasa, Zaire, holding up this scared new missionary as he promised he would. To assume his place in heaven, our Lord had to leave, and now he is everywhere. That night, I slept feeling cared for and loved and encouraged to be about the work of Christ, wherever it would lead, trusting that God would give me what I need when I needed it. And friends, I want you to hear that God will give you what you need when you need it. We have to ask. We have to listen for the nudgings of the Spirit. We have to be bold and trust and to walk in faith. But he will never let us down. And so I'm here to tell you today with joy that we have a friend in a very high place who intercedes for us and reigns in power for us. We have a friend who comes among us to dry our tears and to encourage us and to tell us that pain and death are not the end of our lives and that the grave is not the last word. Let's pray. O loving, gracious God, on this Ascension Sunday, we ask that you would help us bear witness to the reality of your love, the truth of your gospel, that you are everywhere. You're among the sick, among the poor, in the highways and byways of life, you are right here, even now. Thanks be to God. Amen.